Hi guys, welcome to episode two of the Water Boys Rugby Podcast. If you're watching, you can see we've upgraded our studio a little bit with a few uh, cheap pictures we've posted up. Um, but it's great to see you guys again, speak to you guys again. Uh, thank you for all the support in episode one. We got a lot of views, a lot of subscriptions. Please continue to do it. Continue listening, tell your friends, all of that. Uh, Mark, what's on the agenda today? So today we're going to talk about the impact that COVID has had on age grade rugby, so schoolboy rugby, varsity cup, under 20s, and how that affects the players and the unions going forward. And we're going to talk about players playing abroad for different countries than their birth, um, with an emphasis, an emphasis on Duan Fon uh, So yeah, that's what's coming up. Exactly, yes. The curry, we're heading into the Curry Cup playoffs now. We're going to chat about the Curry Cup after the final. Yeah. Once the competition's done, we'll speak about the semi-finals, the final, whoever the winner is, what we thought of their performance. Uh, so we'll get into that later on. Let's first speak about the big one, the, the South Africans playing abroad. That is a big topic, yeah. right? There's a lot of debate around that. Now, what, what sort of triggered our uh, interest in this topic recently is Duan van der Merwe has now just signed for the Worcester mm -hmm. Warriors. Duan van der Merwe is a South African. He was born here. Yeah. Uh, I think he moved over when he was 18 or so, just out of school. And he, he played for Edinburgh, Edinburgh. Well, he moved to, to France first, played for Montpellier. And, he then he, and then he moved to Edinburgh. Yes. So he's been he obviously played in Scotland for three years. Mm. And pretty much as soon as those three years mm. were up, he's now moved to England yeah. to, to play club rugby in England. And that, that is the rule. Obviously, you, you play for three years and you can qualify. Uh, Mark, what do you think about this whole situation? It's an interesting one. It's very interesting because, I mean, he obviously, he wasn't making it in South Africa and he decided to go to France and he earned a lot of money playing for Montpellier and he was good enough, but not great. So he decided to move to Edinburgh and he excelled. Something about the club just clicked, started playing some excellent rugby. Um, he was obviously on the Scottish radar. And now he's a fully fledged Scotland international after playing, after living and playing in Scotland for three years. Mm. And no sooner as he gets his first cap for Scotland, and he's now signed a big, big money deal for Worcester in England, which um, some people may feel aggrieved because he's now Scottish and now he leaves. And um, some people maybe think he should stay in Scotland after playing for Scotland as a, um, an ethics thing. Mm. So, I mean, he's a Scottish international who is no more Scottish than me. Yeah. Um, he's just he's just lived there for three years, and um, and now he's not even going to play for Edinburgh anymore. So it's very interesting. It's you know for me, I don't blame the individual. No, I I don't blame the individual, the player, because Duan just wants to do what's best for mm. his future, and I understand that yeah. he he wants to build a future for himself, and it is nice that if you're South African and you're good enough, mm. you can make a full on very wealthy career yeah. from rugby. You can do well financially, yeah, but you can do even better if mm. you go abroad. Um, but you have to be very good to make yeah. it financially, yeah. So I don't blame the individual. I don't blame Duan. I don't blame that he, he wants to play international rugby. A few years ago, I, th I felt quite differently about this topic, uh, mm. but in recent years, I I've started to look at it differently. I understand why he wants to play international rugby. And to him, it's a career. And, and to all these guys, it's a career. It's about, it's about making money. And, and I can understand that. Yeah. My, I, 
I more feel against the system. Yeah. I, I have some issues with, with the system as a whole. If I was in Duan's shoes, I would probably do the same thing. Uh, but I think it's, I think it's a terrible system that, as you said, he's no more, he's no more Scottish than any of us, mm. right? But the, the only attachment he has to Scotland is he, play, he played there for three yeah. years. And now suddenly he can play for, for the international team. I understand club rugby. That makes sense. You make more money. Yeah. But I'm just worried that international rugby is becoming club rugby. It's, 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 I, I, I worry that it's, that it's very easy to, to just play for any international team. Well, I think an interesting comparison to make here is someone like CJ Stunder, who is also South African and is now a fully-fledged Irish international. But he's still playing week in, week out for Munster. And he gives his heart and soul to Munster and to Ireland. And he has embedded himself in the Irish culture. He's lived there for years. He's still playing for Munster. He's, he's basically a Munsterman. They love him. The fans love him. So that's an example of someone who made the switch, like Duan did, but is now paying back to Ireland by staying in Ireland, playing for Munster, um, putting his body on the line week in, week out, and really like living the Irish way of life. And um, another possible uh, way to fix the system, because I agree with you, it's the system, it's not the individual. Yeah is something like what Wales have done, where they have a 75 cap rule. So you can only play for Wales if you play in Wales, unless you have more than 75 caps, and then you can play abroad. So yes. that would stop someone like Duane van der Maybe, let's say, Scotland should make a 30 cap rule. So he has to play at least 30 times for Scotland, which will take at least three years. Then you can go to Worcester, for example. Mm. Then it makes him a little bit more like he's paid his dues, and now he can leave. Because this has all just happened a bit too quickly. For like, I just think it's a little bit wrong. I don't disagree with him going to England, but I think he, he needs to give a bit more to Scotland first to become Scottish. Yeah, I mean, again, uh, you can understand why the vid individual would want mm. to go to Worcester, but yeah, it's, it's a system. CJ Stander, he's a citizen of Ireland yeah. now. And I think maybe they, they should be... Because citizenship, I can understand. In case you guys don't know, Mark, Mark plays for Germany, the international team. Yeah. But in your scenario, I can understand it because you're a citizen there. Your, your, your mother's German, so you have some sort of attachment to Germany. Yeah. You, you have German blood, so pretty, quite quickly after school, you started yeah. playing for the German international team. So that I can understand because you, you're German, yeah. you, you have German blood. But I can also speak like, from first-hand experience of guys who, who, who aren't German, who are now playing for Germany, but living in Germany, living a German lifestyle. Because it's a thing for South Africans, like, if we don't make it here, we have to go and build a life for ourselves somewhere else. And rugby gives us that platform. So Germany is obviously a tier two nation. So I'm not talking about the big, big countries. But I have friends who play for Germany who aren't German, who are now German. And they can speak German. They're getting their German passports, um, embedded in the German lifestyle, playing for Germany. And it's understandable because now they can raise a family in a, in a European country. It's an exciting venture. And for me, obviously, I take pride in, in my German heritage and for, in playing for Germany. So that is different. But um, that's, yeah. That, yeah, that's so you are kind of an exception to those two different. It's two different stories. It's two different arguments, because like I, I had a German passport since birth. So I'm German and South African. Yes. So I'm not I didn't become German. I'm moving to Germany. I've always been German. Mm. But there are guys who play for Germany who aren't originally German, who are now marrying to German women living the German life. And that's also cool because they, they, they didn't just do three years in Germany and then go and earn money in France. They are, they are German now. 
Yeah, and also if you compare it to like a different profession, for for example, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, mm. he was born in Austria, yeah, and he moved to the U.S. as a young a young man, yeah. a young bodybuilder, but he's full on American now. Yeah. He, he's taken up the the lifestyle. He's really contributed a lot to the country. So um, I think if it's possible in other professions, it should be uh, possible in in rugby as well. I personally just think it's way too easy at the moment. Yeah. Way too easy. I think maybe a good idea would be instead of three years, it should be five years. Mm. Maybe that could help. Uh, obviously, some would say five years is a long time in a rugby mm. career, which I understand. I, I want to just see international rugby remain authentic. Mm. And I've always seen international rugby as a representation of the country's talent. Yeah. And... Like Duan van der Merwe now, he can also qualify for the British and Irish Lions, which we can talk a little bit more about later. But I just think international rugby should should remain as authentic as possible. Yeah, well, it depends, again, who you ask, because the Scottish fans won't mind Duan van der Merwe playing for Scotland because he's a powerhouse on the wing and he's someone that can help them win games. The people who it affects the most is the, the actual Scottish players or the players in those countries. If you're an up-and-coming Scottish wing who's okay, but not as good as Duan van der You have no international career anymore because some big South African has taken your jersey. But if you're a Scottish fan, if you're a Scottish union, if you are anyone who's involved in Scottish rugby, you want to see the best players possible, no matter where they come from. Like even Ollie Cable is another example of someone who was, you know, banging around in super rugby and now an international Scottish prop who's really like holding down their scrum at Lucid. So, yeah. It's, it's, um, it's, some countries take advantage of it mm. too much. But before I, before I say that, I think a lot of Scottish people, some of the fans actually are upset about just from what I've seen from my mm. page. I have received quite a few messages, people saying like that, because I make fun of Scotland yeah. a lot on my page, uh, Springbok D team. But I think a lot of the Scottish people from what I've seen aren't too, too much of a fan of it either, mm. because as you said, you know, they have a lot of pride. Scottish people are very proud. And I'm sure it does affect them if mm. just a random South African guy walks into the team. Uh, so also, you have to blame the coaches as well, those in charge, because yeah. to me, it feels like they're not doing enough to develop their, their teams, their young talent. What are they doing to grow their young players? Because it feels like whenever there's a problem in the team, mm. they just slot in anyone yeah. who's, who can qualify. Mm. Ireland... Also have quite a lot of foreign foreign born players. Yeah. Japan is a team they they take advantage of it. Yeah, but the I, thing is with Japan is that rugby wasn't very big in Japan. And now with these international players coming in, I think their hope is that the long term these players can have an influence on the younger Japanese players. And then maybe in ten years' time they can have a more Japanese team because they learnt off these these world class players. Mm. So I agree with you that Playing against Japan is hardly even like playing against Japan. There's maybe like five Japanese people in the starting lineup and the rest are South Africans or New Zealanders or whatever. But I think the long-term effects could be good for Japanese rugby in terms of like, let's say, um, Michael Leach playing for Japan. Then the kids see Michael Leach playing and they think, I want to be like that guy. And then in, in 15 years' time, you might have a Japanese Michael Leach. But at the moment, mm. it's, it's, it's not really... Like when we played against Japan in the quarter final of the World Cup, like... Japan would never have made the World Cup if they just used Japanese-based players or Japanese-born players. 
So yeah, that's it's a difficult conversation. Let, let's think about football, right? Mm. Soccer. This doesn't happen in soccer, no. right? Doesn't but happen at, at all in there's, soccer. There's a lot more competitive nations in soccer, to be fair. In rugby, if we didn't do what we do now with players going abroad, there's maybe four countries in rugby, maybe five, who are competitive. You've got New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, England, France. If they had to use local-born players, they would be the only countries that would have a chance on the day of winning. And even England have a couple of Tongans who are born in England, but they're of Tongan heritage. To be fair, Wales mainly have a Welsh team. Yeah. I, I don't think, do they have any foreign-born players? They have a lot of, there's a lot of Englishmen playing for Wales yeah. who, are, who have like a, a Welsh mom, but they're born and raised in England. But that's the same as me playing for Germany. So, so Wales have actually done yeah. it very well. Maybe Scotland could, could learn a few things from Wales, the way, that, the, the way they do it. I think a big problem in Scotland is that they only have two professional teams, and that's not really enough. Like we see it with Italy as well, having two professional teams, there's not enough depth. Because if you take two professional teams and you have to make one national squad, as opposed to like Wales and Ireland have four, national, have four professional teams. So Scotland lack depth. So maybe what you're saying is that Scotland needs to, to invest more in the youth and maybe have more professional rugby in Scotland because two teams is not enough. Yeah. And I mean, of those two teams, is a large percentage is foreign born. Yeah. I mean, they're filling up those two teams with yeah. so many South Africans and, and other nationalities. But you know what? We, we, South Africa isn't actually the biggest victim of this. By yeah. far, the Pacific Isles, yeah. they lose by far the most players. Yeah. Well, I think I mentioned this to you a couple of weeks ago. Um, 25% of all, international, of, of all professional rugby players worldwide are from the Pacific Islands, from three tiny islands that have like a million people on their island. And they make up for 25% of all professional rugby players. Nice. And um, I don't think they reap the rewards enough for that. Mm. I think they are taken advantage of. I understand why the individual does it, because he wants to provide for his family or for his village. Mm. I know a couple of Tongans and Samoans personally, and I've played against Samoa, you can see the jersey here. Jersey, yeah. And <laughs> some of those boys, I spoke to them after the game, they had to pay their own flight to get from their English-based clubs to play for Samoa. So they're so passionate about playing for the island, but they don't even get compensated for their, their travel expenses, which is ridiculous. Imagine how good those teams would be if they, yeah. if they had all their players. Well, just look at the countries around the world. Look at New Zealand. New Zealand has maybe half their team is actually from, from the islands yes. who came over at a young age to pursue a rugby career yes. because you can't play international rugby on the islands. Yeah. And look at the, look at the French league. Um, there's just islanders galore who are, are world-class players. Look at the Vinopola brothers, Tuolagi, playing for England. Those guys are Charles Pietal playing for New Zealand. He's a Tongan. Just unreal talent. And if those guys could stay in their, in their nations and play for their nations, they would, the, the World Cup semifinals every year would be Samoa, Tonga, Fiji and one other team. And I mean, they're still decent teams. Yeah, yeah. and Fiji, they're still good. Yeah, yeah especially in sevens. Uh, maybe, maybe a good solution as well is also to make a cap within the international teams. Like you only allowed three foreign-born mm. players in your in your match 23, something like that. That could maybe help as well? What do you think? I, th I think it could. I, I don't think, I think the Islanders leaving the islands is a good thing for them because they make a hell of a lot more money than they would ever make on the islands. I think what needs to change is, is World Rugby needs to step in and help the islands financially. There's also, there's a lot of corruption in the unions yes. of the islands. So World Rugby should moderate that and there should, they should be better compensation for, like for the islanders themselves. Because I know of stories of people who become some of the highest paid rugby players in the world and then post their career, they go back to the island, 
they run out of money because they're supporting big families and they end up working as a farmer on, in Tonga or Fiji and they were actually one of the best rugby players in the world at the time. And I think world rugby should maybe, I, I know there's, a, there's, a, there's an organization now for Islanders, a voice for Islanders in Europe, which I think is great. And um, so yeah, maybe a three, a three cap, a, a cap of three players in a team, but I, I'm, I'm a big supporter of the Islanders playing club rugby. I, I more meant, I wasn't actually, when I said that, I wasn't actually referring to the Islanders. Yeah. But, I mean, that situation I completely understand. Mm. I more meant international rugby as a whole. Yeah. Uh, again, international rugby and club rugby, I think, should be looked at separately. Mm. Because it seems like a lot of people, when you say, oh, yeah, I have a bit of an issue with so many foreign-born players playing uh, for in other international teams. Mm. And people think you're completely against mm. players going abroad at all. And no, it, it should be looked at separately. Club yeah. rugby and international rugby, I think, should be treated separately. Mm. Uh, the understands the financial world maybe a good idea because obviously the world cup that's that's the biggest attraction in rugby maybe world rugby could i don't know if they do it already i doubt it but essentially teams like the pacific isles also canada or all the tier two nations who don't have a lot of money maybe world rugby could pay them a fee Mm. for actually participating in the world cup because those teams are essentially bringing value to the world cup i think they do I think there's a. I think if you qualify for the World Cup, you get a once-off payment, um, but I don't think it goes very far. You know, like mm. I don't think it lasts for, for four years of growth. Yeah. I, I don't think it's it's the answer to to long-term success for these countries. I think it's a it's a four-year plan. But if like Germany played against Canada in a World Cup qualifier and we lost to Canada, so Canada made the World Cup instead of us. And I know that if they had lost that game their union would have been in big, big trouble because they wouldn't have got that. They rely on that payment every four years. Um, so that's, that's good from uh, World Rugby that they're at least doing some sort of payment. Yeah, it's, it is good, but it's not the answer to your long term. Yes. I think in America, the start of the Major League Rugby will help their, their long term success, America and Canada, because you're building a base now of professional rugby talent. But yeah, there's a lot more that can be done to help tier two nations, but it's very easy for us to sit here and talk about it and it's a lot more difficult to put it into action. So obviously we have the British and Irish Lions tour coming up as well. And guys like Duan van der Merwe and Jakub van der Volt, those guys are obviously going to qualify for the British and Irish Lions tour. Do you think that, because British and Irish Lions is a very sacred, traditional thing. Do you think, what do you think about that? Players like that qualifying for the tour? It's a, it's a difficult topic because I, I would feel quite aggrieved to see Duane van Marwe or like James Lowe is a winger for, for Ireland and he's a New Zealander yes. who just recently last year qualified to play for Ireland. Yes. And if I saw those two on the wing for the British and Irish Lions, for me that's a bit of a joke because they're not British or Irish, they're New Zealanders and South Africans. Um, but if you ask me if I see CJ Sander playing for the Lions, then I think that's fine. So. Maybe I'm a hypocrite. Maybe, maybe you have to have played uh, for a certain number of years for a national team. But I think that there needs to be some sort of a rule or a cap on when you qualify for the Lions. Because playing for Scotland or Ireland is one thing. But playing for the British and Irish Lions is, is like, like you say, it's sacred. And it's like mm-hmm. to put on this jersey is like every boy's dream who grows up in Britain and Ireland. And to have a New Zealander who's come over, for, not even lived there for three years... Um, I think that's a bit unfair. Yeah, the, the whole concept of the British and Irish Lions is the best of 
the UK mm. coming down to the Southern Hemisphere. The best of the UK, you know, UK yeah. born and bred. Uh, and again, to me, it feels like it's making it inauthentic mm. that now they're using our own players, not only yeah. South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, they use our own players to try and beat us. Yeah, so maybe they need to have a rule where if you're a foreign-born player or a foreign player who's qualified on citizenship, you have to play 30 games or 20 games for the nation of your choice before you can qualify for the Lions. Or then to say that only players born and bred in, in the British and Irish or in the UK can play for them. Yeah, but I, I agree with you. CJ Stander, you, I can understand a little bit more. Mm. I, I still think it's a little bit inauthentic with mm. CJ Stander, but I, I feel like he makes more sense than mm. someone like Rob Lowe. It's, it's an interesting one. You guys must let us know what, what you think. It, it's, it's difficult. Yeah. The, these topics are extremely complicated. Yeah, we are it's, dividing opinions, yeah. Yeah, you, you, you think of the individual. Obviously, I mean, I mean if, you, if I had an opportunity, like yeah. if someone said, Austin, do you feel like playing for the British and Irish Lions? And I never had the opportunity to play for the Springboks. I mean, how, how could someone say no to that? So again, yeah. the individual, I'm not criticizing the individual, the system I just, I just have some concerns mm. about. Again, like, if, if, you, if, you think about, if you think of other sports, you, you don't see this as much in other sports. Mm. Cricket as well. You, you don't really see that either. Like, imagine the ashes, you know, the ashes in cricket. Mm. And... I'm sure here and there you might get an Australian-born playing for England or so, and I'm sure you get that here and there. Or like Australia against India. That's always a huge, mm. a huge test series. Now imagine if you had like five Indians in, mm. in the Australian yeah. team playing against India in cricket. You know, it would, it would feel weird to those yeah. fans. So it's, it, it's more common in rugby than in other mm. sports. Okay, let's chat about the gap in South African rugby, the potential gap. So... Obviously, for almost a year now, schoolboy rugby players haven't been playing. Many, many club players haven't been playing. Varsity Cup was cancelled last year. Young players aren't getting an opportunity to show their talent, develop their talent in South Africa. And I've started to think about this more recently. This is really concerning. Is, is there going to be a gap in talent in South African rugby? Where, where are the new unions going to get new talent from yeah it's interesting and it's not uh, a problem that is unique to South Africa it's a worldwide problem at the moment except for New Zealand and Australia because mm. they have handled COVID very well and they've had schoolboy rugby and super rugby and whatever but here and in England and in France the only teams that are playing are the professional teams so in England it's only the premiership and here it's only the curry cup teams so I feel very sorry for for high school um, kids who have missed them a trick year of rugby. We have missed Craven Week. A couple of mates of mine from university have missed, um, you know, they were, they were in the squad to play for South Africa in the 20s last year. And then the World Cup was cancelled. And that's their, that's their time to get onto worldwide TV to showcase their talents, to, to put down a, a marker and say, I'm here. And um, they've missed that. And now they're 21 or 22 and they've missed that opportunity. Even Varsity Cup being cancelled last year, no one knows if it's going to go ahead this year. So you have to be under 25 to play Varsity Cup. So some players are 23, 24, getting to the point where they're like, am I still going to play Varsity Cup? And even the club rugby, like you say, the Super League in Cape Town was cancelled last year. And that is, is, is a pool of players who you know, could become professionals one day. 
So I think the gap between the semi-professional and the amateur and the, the top level is going to increase rapidly because there's no one else playing rugby besides the top dogs. And um, yeah, where the, who knows where the unions will find new players. They'll have to start signing, signing boys who last played rugby in grade 10. Yeah, and I mean, there's going to be hardly any footage of those mm. players. I'm worried that they might just go according to word of mouth. Mm. Like, you know, say, because rugby is a lot about connections, mm. especially in South African rugby. And, you know, if the, the, one of the main coaches at the Lions, okay, he now needs a new pool of young players. He can't see these guys play mm. because there's no rugby going on. So what's going to happen? They need new players, but they can't see these players. So they're going to go to school coaches mm. they know. JP or the, you know, the, the, the yeah. neighboring schools and they're going to say, who could you see that mm. had talent? Who do you know that has talent? Yeah. And players, I think players are going to start getting signed just on word of mm. mouth now. How else? How else? And, and that could create a lot of problems because mm. um, favoritism is natural. Yeah. It's a normal thing. Uh, players who maybe weren't fully developed then, mm. they would have developed now. So it, it's a huge problem. I'm sure... I'm sure Rassi and, and everyone at SA Rugby are concerned about this. Varsity Cup is a huge one. Mm. Huge, huge one. Varsity, so many of those Varsity Cup players, they end up yeah. playing for Western Province mm. or, or any, any type of union. So it's, it's a major concern. And it's not just South Africa. It's, it's many countries abroad. Yeah, I think every country besides, like I say, Australia and New Zealand are going to have this issue because it's just... I mean, in England, it's just the Premiership playing and no one else is playing. So where will they find the, the next pool of players? Um, hopefully, this year is the last year of this. And then a, a two-year gap maybe won't be the end of the world. But if it goes on any longer, I think we're going to have serious issues. Because, as you said, if, if problems start signing boys who are, t who, are turning eight, who are turning 19 next year, who are in matric this year, but the last time they actually played rugby was grade 10, it's going to be tough because you could have some boys who are great in grade 10 who have now maybe their development is slowed they're not as good then the next game of rugby they play after grade 10 could be the under 19 curry cup and then they could be way out of their depth so it is a big problem and i don't know what the solution is but i hope that someone does know what the solution is i i can't see any solution except for just waiting yeah and there definitely could be a gap in future talent there could be yeah i mean who are the new springboks going to be Guys are going to have to start their careers later. The only bright side is we might lose fewer South Africans abroad yeah. because there's yeah. less, less of our talent on yeah. display. But you, you, you're obviously a victim of it as well. You, yeah. you play rugby. You, you've yeah. played Varsity Cup and now you, you haven't been able to play for, for a how long? A year. Yeah. How has it affected you and your training? And have you, have you felt yourself take a step back in, in, in your training and development? Well, it is, it is difficult. I mean... Last year we played five games in the Varsity Cup, and I was uh, I was working my way into the squad. I was starting to to make a name, um, starting to get my name on the team sheet more regularly. And then next thing you know, bang, stopped. And um, there were some guys at the university who who had who had exceptional games, who were on the radar to be signed, and their season was was just springboarding them. And then the season stops, and now I feel sorry for for guys like that because. That is their platform. You know, they might not even be playing Varsity Cup this year. They might be playing provincial rugby. But now they're playing Varsity Cup again because they didn't have the opportunity to back up their performances mm. more and more. And, and yeah, I, from a personal point of view, my training, I've been training as hard as I can by myself. But my rugby soft skills 
have definitely, you know, my line-out throwing, my catch and pass. You know, fitness in gym is one thing, but actually playing rugby, you know, tackling, manipulating space, yeah. you can only do that by actually practicing rugby. And I can feel that that's taken, taken a knock. So and, your, and, your, and your general conditioning as well, yeah. because taking tackles, mm. making hits, all of that, that's conditioning yeah. as well. So I think when you, when, you, when you start getting into contact mm. training again, it's going to be quite hard on the body. Well, the lucky thing from a South African point of view is that, is that we're all in the same boat. So we're not falling further behind France or England or Ireland or Argentina. It's just New Zealand that, that are, are going to keep making strides. But at, at least we aren't falling behind other nations. Mm. So we'll all be, that, that might even it out because yes, we'll have a two-year gap, but so will everyone else. Mm. So then maybe that cancels out and there's no gap. Yeah, as you say, that's probably the only benefit mm. that we're all on the same page. But hopefully this is resolved by the end of this year and next year everything's back to normal and we can okay. be watching rugby, we can be playing rugby and everything can be back to normal. I feel sorry for the, the players. Mm. I really do. It, it's terrible. That's all for today, guys. Thank you as always for listening. Drop your opinions in the comments below, please. Very interesting topic, the, the players playing abroad and the sort of gap in, in rugby that we're having at the moment. Share your thoughts. We, we'd love to hear it. We'll try and respond to them. And also s suggest future topics mm. for us. Uh, th there's a lot going on in rugby all the time. It's difficult to always cover everything, but please, please feel free to share suggestions. Another thing Mark and I want to do in the podcasts is we want to think of a way to, to engage you guys more. So what we, may, what we may be going to start doing is we're going to give the opportunity for you guys to send voice notes into, into the podcast. And we won't be able to play all of them, but we will try and play as many as possible. And we'll maybe, we'll maybe uh, react to that mm -hmm. and, and, and so on. But in the meantime, you can maybe just, as, as you watch the Curry Cup semifinal and the final, feel free to send us a voice note anytime on our Instagram page. And we, we, can maybe, we can maybe play it on the next podcast. Sh yeah. sh share your thoughts on, on the performances of the team. Again, we're sorry if we can't play a voice note because there won't be time for everyone. Yeah, yeah just drop us, drop us a comment on the Instagram page. Tag us um, in, in anything interesting that you see. And yeah, let's, let's chat. Let's stay, stay, stay together. And um, yeah, it's going to be very exciting. Thanks, guys. And see you next time.